Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. All right, church, y'all are in for a big treat today. Guess, guess what's happening today? That's right. Carrie is here. And you know, Carrie and I spoke at Sub 30 on Wednesday night. She spoke at Sisterhood on Thursday night. Girls, did you have a great, I heard it was an awesome time. All of our locations just had a great time. And so she is going to be preaching today. This is the real preacher in the Weems family, just so y'all know. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll immediately be able to pick up on a couple of differences in our style of communication. So like, Carrie gives you so much awesome content. You can learn from her in one message. I usually do like a six to eight week series. So you're gonna, what she gives you today, I would have stretched out to about six to eight weeks. And so she's such a, a, a gifted communicator and a brilliant mind. And so church, you're gonna love hearing from her today. So come on, give it up for my wife, Pastor Carrie Weems. And she's fighting sickness today. She's she got a cold this morning, but she's good even on cold medicine. That's... Thank you so much. You can be seated. Gosh, I appreciate that. So good to be here with you today. And for those of us join, those of you joining us online or at, at our campuses, thank you for spending this weekend with us here at Celebration Church. Um, I bet you when he said you're in for a treat this morning, you thought we were going to have a rap battle for the message, right? Not, that's not what crossed your mind? I was just wondering. We all know who would have won that. <laughs> The devil, because <laughs> there was no good coming out of something like that. No, actually, I'm excited today. I have a message called Practical Hope. Practical hope, and um, I'm gonna, I am, like you said, gonna go through a lot of content, so I don't want you to worry about trying to write everything down later on this week on my blog at carrieweens.com. I'm gonna post my notes and the study guide and message so you can download it and you can read everything and study and all that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> but if you like to take notes, go ahead, but uh, I didn't want you to be preoccupied with that. But have you ever noticed that there are some people that go through struggle, and when they go through struggle, they become wiser and stronger and it makes them into these better people. And it's just like, wow, they just become all the richer inside because of it. But then there's other people that when they go through struggles, it seems to just weigh them down and crush them when they go through struggle. And, um, you know, people, and probably each of us in here have been on both sides of that coin, but there's something about the way some people handle struggle that it tends to build them up on the inside, and some people just have a trouble with handling it. They don't quite know how to handle it. It tends to weigh them down, and, and it makes them weaker. Well, you know, there are some practical steps to encountering struggle with hope. You know, hope, research shows us that hope is not something that you're necessarily born with, but the ability to hope is something that we can learn. And this goes along with what the Bible teaches us as well. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter five, I wanna read verses one through five for you out of the Phillips translation. And I love this version because it makes the, makes the wording very, very simple so you can really get the point. It says, since then it is by faith that we're justified, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have confidently entered into this new relationship of grace. And here we take our stand in happy certainty of the glorious things he has for us in the future. So that's key one, hope is about the future. And verse three says, this doesn't mean, of course, that we have only a hope of future joys. 
We can be full of joy here and now, even in our trials and troubles. Taken in the right spirit, these very things, meaning our trials and troubles, will give us patient endurance. This, in turn, will develop a mature character. And a character of this sort produces a steady hope. A hope that will never disappoint us. Already, we have some experience of the love of God flooding through our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. And so Paul tells us this kind of little formula about how to encounter struggle in such a way that it produces hope. He says, hope, if we, if we look at it in the right way, if we endure it in the right, right way, produces in us patient endurance. And endurance produces in us character. And godly character produces in us hope a hope that does not disappoint. So in this weird way, struggle, which none of us like, and hope are connected. They're connected in some way. In other words, the very thing for which we require hope, struggle, is itself the thing that produces hope in us. Isn't that just like God to kind of mix that up and make it such a paradox like that that we kind of have to unpack? But we learn hope through struggle, but it has to do with the way that we approach hope. Now, all of us, Paul talk, talks about this. He says, we're in this world, and right now, we're in this broken world, but we can have joy in this world because of the Holy Spirit who inhabits us. In other words, we have a taste of what heaven is gonna be like, the peace and the joy, because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. But what we have to learn on this side of eternity is how to navigate this broken world with hope. And a big part of that navigating this world with hope is learning how to process pain in a healthy way. In fact, the other day, Stovall and I were having a Q&A with our Celebration College students, and one of the questions which I thought was great was, you often talk about processing pain in a healthy way. What does that look like? And I, we answered that question, and I thought, man, I would really love to teach our church this because it's such a key uh, principle to living an effective, fulfilled life. Navigating this world with hope. And hope tends to be one of those things. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but like, what is hope? Is it positive emotions? Is it like having a dream of the future? Is it possibility? We use it in a lot of ways. In fact, there's this poem by a, a famous poet called Emily Dix Dickinson that says, hope is that thing with feathers that perches on the soul. Like what? Hope is a thing with, you tell me I have a bird in my soul? What are you talking about? Like, give me something I can use. So what I wanna do today, hopefully, is give you something that I can use. A way to move through the painful seasons of life and some practical steps to help you move through the painful seasons of life, things that have worked for me and things that have a real basis in biblical truth. And I've entitled this message, Practical Hope. So why don't you join me in prayer and we will dive right in. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that all truth is your truth, Lord. We thank you that you have given us everything that we need for this life through the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us and that your word shows us how to walk in your ways. So that while we're here for the next 30 minutes or so, we just open our hearts completely to you. And we lean into the truth of your word and we believe that it is gonna bring strength and transformation to our everyday life in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so how many of you have had problems before? 
I should see 100% of the hands up in here. So we've all had problems before. Problems bring pain. And when you're in a situation or having a problem that is a painful situation for you, there are basically four things that you can do about it. And here they are. The first thing you can do is you can solve the problem. If you can solve the problem. We can't solve every problem in life, but if you can solve the problem and it's causing you trouble and you, it's causing you pain, you can change it. The other thing you can do is you can change how you feel about it. I mean, that's not easy to do, but you could just say, all right, I'm just gonna let this go, or maybe it's not so bad after all. Oh, okay, well, I can, I can make peace with that. The other thing you can do is you can accept it. Accept it as it is. It doesn't mean that you have to approve of it as good. It just means that you can say this is, you know, it's the phrase, it is what it is. I use that phrase a lot, it is what it is. This is my new reality. Or you can stay miserable. Okay, you can stay miserable. Nobody wants to be miserable, but if you don't do one of those top three things, if you don't change it, change the, solve the problem, change how you feel about it or accept it, your only remaining option is to stay miserable. And nobody wants to be miserable, but too often we default toward option four because either A, we really can't change the problem, it is truly something outside of our control, B, it is something that merits bad emotions, bad feelings, negative feelings. I mean, there are some things that you should feel negatively about. A divorce, the loss of a loved one, losing a job. It's not healthy to push those emotions down and pretend like that's not happening. But acceptance is really, really hard. <laughs> accepting that something bad happened and accepting that this is your new reality. I don't know if we grasp how difficult that is for the human spirit because somehow accepting a less than perfect reality, accepting that things have truly not turned out the way that we wanted them to turn out, accepting that, wow, this really is my life now. It's so hard. It feels almost like we've been cheated. It feels like deep down inside, we somehow have this belief that bad things really shouldn't happen to us. And I'll tell you that that is the residual of the image of God in us. That is that thing inside us. Ecclesiastes says God has hidden eternity in the heart of men. That, that belief, that longing, that protest against bad things invading our lives, happening to us, is the cry for eternity in the heart of every person. That we know somehow we were, we were created for better. But things are not gonna be perfect until we cross the line of eternity. So right here, we have to learn how to accept reality as it is. And we have to learn how to navigate that with hope. And so the very first thing that we can do, I'm gonna give you some practical steps to keep hope alive. And step one is what I call radical acceptance. Radical acceptance. Learning how to accept that what is, is. Now that might seem like not such a big deal, but let me give you an example, okay? Now remember this, the key to this is accepting, is remembering that accepting something does not mean you're judging it as good. Just like forgiving someone doesn't mean that you're saying what they did was okay. It's, 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 re, it's, it's releasing yourself on the inside, okay? So let me give you an example of what I mean by radical acceptance. Let's say that you live in a little neighborhood, you live at the, and, and um, this neighborhood has a, a hill, all right? And at the top of this hill, there lives a little boy who loves to ride his bike, and he loves to ride his bike super fast, as kids like to do, 
And at the bottom of this hill, there is a four-way stop and a busy intersection, and this intersection has a blind corner. And one day, this kid is riding his bike down the hill, and he's got his feet off the pedals, and he's just letting the bike zoom by. And just as he rides into the intersection, a car comes through the intersection, doesn't see the kid because of the blind corner, and he, ram, hits, into, hits the kid, and there's an accident. That's not a real story. It's just hypothetical, okay? <laughs> just y'all are like, oh my gosh, that's so tragic. But it is tragic. And you know what the response of us, the, main, the usual response would be? That is horrible. That should never happen. How could that happen? Something like that should never happen. And we raise our fists at the heavens and we go, this is awful. This is unfair. It's so unjust. This shouldn't happen. And you know, nobody wants it to happen. Of course nobody wants it to happen. We don't approve that it's good, but the truth is, yeah, it should have happened. Do you know why it should have happened? Because all the conditions were there for it to happen. A house at the top of a hill with a boy who liked to ride his bike. Boy, unsupervised. At the bottom of the hill, there's a four-way stop. Stop has a blind corner. Boy riding down the hill. Yes, it would be a miracle if the accident didn't happen because all the conditions were in place for it to happen. And so many times, we end up at a place in life and we say, this shouldn't happen, this shouldn't happen. But if you look back and you're honest with yourself, shouldn't it have happened? See, if we allow ourselves to accept the reality of where we are, then we can look back and go, well, maybe I should be here. Because these, the conditions were in place for it to happen. Maybe my marriage should be a mess because we haven't been talking to each other for the last two years. Maybe I should have gotten fired because I haven't, I've been showing up late and not really doing my work well for the last year. Maybe I should have gained 20 pounds over Christmas because I, I was eating so much cake and not exercising. You know, we have a way of sort of justifying where we are. Maybe I should have gotten an F on that paper because I wrote it last night. We have a way of justifying we shouldn't be where we are based on what we really want to be true. But the reality is we might be where we are because it's where we should be because the conditions were there all along for us to be where we are. Right? But here's the thing, going back to our story about the little boy. If we just sat there and shook our fist at the heavens and went, that's terrible, oh my gosh, it's horrible, this is tragic, it should never be. Well, we'll just grieve and be angry and move on. But what if somebody said, oh no, it should have happened. It's a miracle, it hasn't happened 20, 20 times before because look, there's a house up here and kids are riding bikes down the street and here's a blind corner and we can cut this shrubbery down, we can put a red light here, we can put a cross guard here, we can make a rule, no unsupervised kids riding, riding bikes down here. In fact, you know what we could do? We could put a bike path and moms can come together and they can, they can lobby the city to put these things in place so that this doesn't happen again. You see, here's the thing, you can't change something you won't accept. Change is only possible with acceptance. And that's why acceptance is so important. Here's the other thing. Acceptance is the first step through getting, of getting through pain. It's the very first step. 
things happen to us that we don't want and that we should legitimately feel bad about, but accepting that new reality. You're divorced. You just found out that you can't get pregnant. You just have came to the point of having to admit that you have a substance abuse problem. It's hard things to admit. But until you admit, you can't move forward. You see, here's the thing about hope. Hope is given to us for the future, not for the past. When we spend all of our time looking back and saying, why me? Why me? Why did this happen? This shouldn't have happened. You know what we're doing? We're taking hope and we're trying to hope for a better past. You have to give up all hope for a better past. You can't change that. Hope doesn't work backwards, but it works forwards. And the turning point is gonna be when you realize that you have to start accepting where you are right now. Good? Are you with me? So we accept where we are right now and accept it. And we also know that pain creates more suffering when you refuse to accept it. We stop fighting reality. Tolerate the moment instead of fighting it. This is huge. So when pain comes, when you're in the process of accepting where you are right now, and there's a grieving that comes when you accept. You know, part of fighting reality is avoiding the grieving process, right? And when you start to accept where you are, and what your reality now is, there's a grieving process. When you finally accept that you have a drinking problem, when you finally accept that you have an alcohol problem and you have to look that in the face and go, and I've hurt all these people through this. And maybe this is the reason I haven't got promoted in a few years. And maybe this is the reason my marriage broke up. And maybe this is the reason I have an estranged relationship with my kids. There is gonna be a lot of grief that comes over you. And the tendency when we encounter that grief is to do anything to distract ourselves. Get on Instagram, start scrolling the internet, leave, go distract ourselves from it, anything to avoid feeling it, because it hurts. But I wanna encourage you that just let it come, feel it. In counseling, they call this leaning into your emotions. <laughs> let them wash over you, and it, like a wave, it will pass. The tide will come in, and the tide will go out. Just because the tide comes in doesn't mean it has to take you down with it when it goes back out. It's gonna come. It's gonna leave. And the other thing is then just remember, accept this too. Accept that your life can be meaningful in this new reality. Your life can be meaningful again after divorce. Your life can be meaningful even if you can't get pregnant. Your life can be meaningful even if you are now in recovery. Your life is meaningful because Jesus gives your life meaning. And so don't just say my life is over because this didn't happen or because I can't do this or because now I've got this sickness or this illness. God will speak meaning to your life. Position yourself in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And let him speak to you. You know, God is always ready to speak love and identity and purpose to you. Any time of day, he never slumbers or sleeps. When you're laying on your bed and you're anxious and you're worrying and you're rehearsing things in your mind, turn that energy to God and just say, God, you see my anxious thoughts. I'd love to replace them with something that you wanna say to me. And then just wait. He is always there. Always, never fails. So is that good? That's a big life-changing moment. Okay, the second step to practical hope. Start, start practicing this radical acceptance and you will find might be painful at first, leads to hope. All right, 
Second step, turning the mind. Turning the mind. Now the key to turning the mind is recognizing that you have a moment of choice, right? You have a choice about how you respond and you have a choice about how you will manage your emotions. Sometimes emotions, especially negative ones, are so strong that it feels like we don't have a choice but to indulge them. But you know what? You do have a choice. You do have a choice. Now, I might be the only person here who's ever had to deal with having a bad temper. I'm Irish and Italian mixed, so that's the setup from the start. But I had a little bit of a temper for a while, and I had to learn how to deal with it. Now, how many of you have ever had that point where you, you're, you're gonna tell somebody off, right? You were just gonna let it fly. I mean, they deserve it, and you're gonna let it go. And you know, I mean, they deserve it, you des- you, you, you've put up with enough and you're gonna let it fly. And we say this phrase, I lost my temper. I lost my temper. Like, it's like this, like you lost your temper like it was a dog on a leash and it just like ran away. But the truth is, we never really lose our temper because as small as it is, if you're honest, honest, honest with yourself, you will admit that there is a tiny itty bitty moment of choice where you decided to go ballistic on that person you decided to take that sales lady down. You had had it up to here with your coworker. And you deserve to let go on them. And they deserve for you to let go. I mean, it's gonna, and you think it's gonna feel so good to get this out. I mean, they deserve to hear the truth and I'm just gonna do it. And you know what? You let go. And what happens a few minutes later or a few hours later, maybe a few days later, never quite feels as good as you think it's gonna feel. Reflecting on it, there's embarrassment, there's more context, they didn't really realize what they did, the relationship has changed, because you know, you can apologize for your words, but you can't remove the memory of the sting. People can forgive you, but forgetting is a different thing. And so, what you have to do is you have to stop and find your moment of choice. Think of it like a door to a train. You know, there was this little thing that I had going on a few years back where I started getting really stressed out by traffic. When they were completing 295, I would be on my way to work and I would see this huge long line of cars, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be late again. Or I'm driving back home, you know, and oh, I'm gonna be late, I'm not gonna fix dinner, stuff all's gonna leave me because he doesn't have anything to eat. You know, like we just catastrophize. My kids are gonna quit serving God. My house is gonna fall apart because I'm late. You know, and it's like, and it shouldn't be this way. I can't believe this is happening again, even though it's been happening every day for the past five months and I just really need to leave 10 minutes earlier. But you know, it shouldn't be that way. But maybe it should because you know, That's how it is. So (laughs) I should have accepted, but I didn't. So here's what happened. I would see this long line of cars blocking traffic and I would just start to spiral panicking, anxiety, anger, frustration. I would get a little road rage. I know that's hard to believe. All five foot three of me just. (laughs) But I would get mad. And then one day I'm driving up, you know, I was kind of, I I was praying and on my way to work and I saw the long line of cars and my, I felt the emotions just start to, you know, rise up. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, don't get on that train. Just watch it go by. You don't have to get on it, just watch it go by. In other words, what God was telling me is just because you are experiencing this emotion does not mean that you need to indulge this emotion. And I was like, oh, you mean I don't have to do this? 
Like I don't have to, I don't have to get mad, I don't have to get, I don't have to get worried. No, you don't. Stop. Find your moment of choice. I realize right then I have a moment of choice. I can't always control what happens to me, but I can always control my response to what happens if I so choose. And at first, that moment of choice is really small, but the more you practice stepping into it and pushing it, think of it like a door. I'm stepping into it like a, like a door on the subway. I'm pushing it open, and then it gets easier and easier and easier to spot over time. And when I do that, I redirect my thoughts from anger to thanksgiving, from worry to praise. It's in that space that you can begin to renew your mind. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you felt that before? Have you, have you felt that split second where you had a, a moment where you could make a choice and you know you chose the wrong thing or you know you chose the right thing? You can make that space a lot bigger by stepping into it more often and making a choice and redirecting your thoughts. Making a commitment to redirect your thoughts. So it's not just enough to go, I'm not gonna be mad, I'm not gonna be mad, but I'm not gonna be mad because I'm gonna be glad because this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And yes, I'm gonna be late to work, but God, you've got my back. Lord, I pray right now that you will go ahead of me and that you will help my boss be understanding and you just begin to fill that space with praise. Fill it with praise, fill it with prayer, fill it with thanksgiving. This is what the process of renewing your mind looks like. So stop, redirect, and the next step is to repeat over and over again. Stop, redirect, repeat. Because guess what? Your spouse does that thing that drives you absolutely crazy, and they're gonna do it again tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Your kids push your buttons, and they're gonna push them the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. So you've got to do this again, and again, and again, and again. And you know what? You can do this, and let me tell you why. You can do this because you have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. You can take destructive thoughts captive, 2 Corinthians 10.5. You can renew or change the nature of your mind, Romans 12.1 through 2. And you are not a slave of sin, Romans 6.1 through 14. If anybody in the world ought to be able to take advantage of that window of opportunity to redirect, it should be us, believers in Christ, because the Holy Spirit in us at all times wants to say the right things. The Holy Spirit that lives in you, if you're born again, every day, at all times, every minute of the day, is at peace. It has joy, has patience, has goodness, has gentleness, has self-control. When you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, and the nature of God is on the inside of you. So don't forget to remember that you have the resource of the Holy Spirit with you all the time. And that doesn't mean that we shove our emotions down or stuff them or deny reality. It just means when we get into that place, it's like a yield sign, right? It just means I step aside and go, you know what? Holy Spirit, you go first and I'm just gonna kind of come get in line behind you and I'm gonna follow your lead. And your lead will always be the right lead because you're the Holy Spirit. Good? No regret. And then the last thing, the last step to processing pain in a healthy way is to choose willingness over willfulness. The key here is to stop protesting your pain through willfulness and cultivate a, really, a willing response to each situation. 
Okay, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 41, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But the good news about that is that the spirit is indeed willing. So we step back and say, spirit, you go. What did Mary say to, to, to the angel Gabriel? Lord, be it unto me according to your will. What did Paul say? I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. Yet not me, not I, but Christ who lives in me. That's a really long way of saying, I live, but I don't live according to my will, I live according to his will. I've given up my willfulness for his will, for willingness to do his will. Let me show you what willfulness versus willingness looks like. Have you ever seen a bunch of kids on the playground and they're trying to decide what game they wanna play and there's a group that wants to play dodgeball and some that wanna play tag and some that wanna play kickball and they're all kind of arguing about it and they finally land on a game called, like they'll land on dodgeball. And there's a group of kids that wanted to play something else and they all go stand on the sidelines and they go, we're not playing that game. This isn't the game we wanted. It's not the rules we wanna play by. I'm not playing. That's what willfulness is. It means because life did not turn out the way I wanted it, because it doesn't measure up to my ideals, because I'm not where I thought I would be right now, because I'm not married yet, because I haven't had a baby yet, because I'm not where I wanna be in my career right now, because I ended up having this sickness that I didn't want, I refuse to participate in life. I'm gonna sideline myself and I'm gonna be resentful at God and I'm gonna be resentful at people and I refuse to participate in life because life is not what I expected it to be. And it is a way, can I tell you, it feels like dignity, but it is a way of shaking your fist at heaven and saying, oh, you're not gonna play the game I wanna play? Then I'm not playing. I don't have, oh, I, I don't have the husband I wanted, I don't have the wife I wanted, I'm not playing. Oh, I don't have the job I wanted, I don't get to live where I want, my body is sick with this, I'm not playing. I'm taking my ball, I'm going home. You see, it's like a game of cards. <laughs> You've all heard play the hand you're dealt, right? But think about this, when you're really playing cards and you get dealt a hand, you still wanna win, right? So what do you do? Do you throw your cards on the table and go, this is a terrible hand, I'm out. Walk away. No, even if it's a bad hand, you do what? You go, all right. The best way that I can play skillfully and effectively with this hand is to do this. And we play to win with the hand we're dealt, even if it's a bad hand and it's not the hand we wanted. We do that by playing skillfully, as skillfully as we can, doing what is necessary on each play to come as close to the goal as we can get. That's willingness. It's saying, huh, this isn't the hand I wanted, this isn't the game I wanted to play, but I'm still gonna participate and I'm still gonna play every hand with skill and with effectiveness. I'm not gonna quit playing to win. You see, Paul epitomizes, he demonstrates what practical hope looks like in action in 2 Corinthians. It's a familiar scripture, he says, we are pressed, but we're not crushed. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned by God. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. He's saying, look, this isn't the hand we wanted, but I'm not, the game isn't over yet. And as long as there is still a chance that I can get up, I'm gonna get up. You see what pressing is, is you're being pressed. What crushing is, is a pressing that has come to a conclusion. 
Paul says, we're pressed, we're not crushed. It's not over yet. And so as long as it's not over, I'm getting back up. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. And so as long as I can get back up, I'm getting back up. Yes, we're persecuted, but God hasn't left us. You see, God never told us that we would not have pain, but he promised we wouldn't go through it alone. There's a great psychologist you might know, I'm gonna call Stovall up in just a minute to close this out in prayer and, and seal what God's doing here. But um, there's a psychologist that, uh, named Brene Brown, you may have heard of her. She uh, is a shame researcher. She researches the effect that shame has on people and she tells this great story about hope. I thought it was such a great illustration. She said, she talked about a friend of hers who's a swim coach and she does this thing called a flip turn clinic. And a flip turn, if you don't know what that is from swimming, it's, you've seen swimmers, they rush up, they swim up to the edge, but before they get there, they flip over, do a somersault in the water, turn over and push off the back with their feet. And it's much faster than going up to the edge and touching it with your hand. And so it's a really important part of the technique of learning how to swim. And so this flip turn, uh, this, this uh, coach was running a flip turn clinic. And before you could leave at the end of practice, if you were in the clinic, you would have to do five correct turns and you have to get, a, get five thumbs up. So if you did the flip turn right, you would get a thumbs up. And if you did it wrong, you would get a thumbs down. The problem was the parents were coming to her after practice and they were saying, we don't like you doing this to our kids. So how would you feel about doing this? It's all right. They didn't want their kids to get a thumbs down. But do you know what research shows? Research shows that the people with the highest levels of hope have experienced the highest number of failures. Did you know that? So let me, let me give you an example here. Let's pretend like I'm the coach and you're in the flip turn clinic, okay? And you're trying to get out of practice. You need to have five. Five flip turns that are done correct, okay? Ready? One. Two. See that feeling? That's what hope feels like. Hope is a function of struggle. No struggle, no hope. Just like Paul told us in Romans, when you encounter trial, if you encounter them the right way, that means with hope you will understand that trial is meant to build perseverance. And perseverance is meant to build character. What is character if it is not tenacity, if it is not getting back up? And character, when it is produced, produces hope. Hope, right? And you know what probably happens the next time that flip clinic comes? This doesn't discourage them anymore. Oh, I, can, I know I can do this. This builds resilience because when you get this, you know you can do it. That is what hope feels like. If we, if we spend our lives trying to avoid pain and avoid failure, we will actually never get to experience this moment. And this moment is a gift, right? And it's amazing to experience this moment, the moment of hope individually, but you know what's even better? Experiencing it together as a team, as a group, as a class, 
as friends, and that's why groups are so very important, because you meet together, and you share your struggles, and you pray together, and you pray together, and you believe together, and you build perseverance together, and then God answers your prayer, and all together you're like, we did it! And this is practical hope, and this is what hope feels like, amen? Awesome. Stovall's gonna come close us out. Thank you so much for listening and opening your hearts to me today. Come on, how about that message, huh? Wasn't that awesome? Oh, man. Just wanna do. Such a great message. I'm just gonna ask everyone, please uh, take your seats for just a moment. Just a moment. No one moving around. I just want a couple of minutes here to let the Holy Spirit kind of seal uh, what he's doing in some people. And the first thing is, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes real quick. Please, please try not to move around. I know we have some people that are going to their, their group expo stations, but just pipe in. How many of you would say, Stovall, I need to practice radical acceptance. There's, there's something or some things in my life, and until I just accept what reality is, there really can be no hope. You're still trying to improve the past. The past is gone. Hope's not for the past. It's for the future. If that's you, would you just lift a hand and just say, I'm putting that radical acceptance into practice. So many hands are going up. You can put them down. Let me encourage you now. You know what that tells me? And, and probably many more of us. Listen, you're in a struggle. You're in a struggle, but as Carrie said, hope is a function of struggle. And here's the thing. The thing is, life is a struggle. And we can put different names on different things. But at the end of the day, we were born into this struggle called life. And thank God that he sent Jesus so that while we are in this world, we can have true hope. And that though we go through the brokenness, the broken conditions and the evil that's in this world, though we go through that, God will be with us. And we rem it reminds us that one day the world's not gonna be like this. Listen, Jesus is gonna come back and clean all this up one day. Hope is uniquely, uh, and I, I don't want to get in too much here about how why, why the Bible says we'll rule over the angels one day and light and things like that. But it is it is it is uniquely a human characteristic in our struggle to overcome the pain and evil that this world presents us. And the only way that we can truly overcome is by aligning ourselves with the overcomer, and that's Jesus. He, he overcame the worst, and that's sin, death, and the grave. So I just want to tell you right now, whatever struggle you're going through, I want to let you know two things. God's with you. He's with you even when you don't feel him. And Jesus knows what struggle feels like. And he knows what hurt feels like, and he knows what betrayal feels like. He knows what pain feels like. And he's in the struggle with you. 
And though you're walking through that fire, you're not going to get burnt. And though you're going through that river, you're not going to drown. He's with you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He'll make me to lie down in green pastures. He'll lead me beside still waters. He'll restore my soul. Watch. In the presence of my enemies, in the presence of the, of the worst struggle, God will prepare a table for me. In the very presence, you know what God is saying? In the, in the darkest moment of your life, I'll be right there with you and we'll fellowship together and you'll see me and you'll know my power and I'll get you through this. That's why I like what it says, though I walk through the valley. Come on, you're not stopping there. You're gonna go through, you're gonna have a meal with God, you're gonna get a greater revelation for Jesus and then you're rolling on out of there. Hopes for the future. And here's the other thing I wanna promise you and we're gonna pray. Here's the other thing I wanna promise. Not only is God with you, struggle was not meant for you to go it alone. Well, here's what I mean by that. God's with you. You need other people with you. That's what that, this group expo is all about. It's about a sharing in the struggle. That's what may, and those of you who played team sports before, that I, I remember when our, our high school football team went to the championship and we started, we were 0-4. We had the worst record of any team in the history of our high school at 0-4. And, and we had a great coach, and he would not let us quit. And you know what? We won one game. Watch. Then we learned from, we won another game. And all of a sudden, we looked back at the end. It was somehow after starting 0-4, we had ended up in this. Do you know the camaraderie, the hope, the I'm speaking a practical illustration, but watch, watch. On a much deeper level, that's what community does in life. You're gonna get in a group, guess what? All of us. <laughs> What's been going on in your life? You're gonna get in that group, you might have a few more of these, and all of a sudden you're gonna be, bam. Bam. Listen, Jesus wants you to experience hope in your struggle. And watch this. At the end of the day, your struggle is going to produce victory and overcoming in your life. Because you're part of a championship team when you're with Team Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And God wants to see you win. He wants to see you win the race. He wants to see you overcome. He wants to turn everything around. But we need you engaged in the struggle not to lay down, not to give up. God is with you. Bow your heads real quick. How many of you would say this? You'd say, Stovall, I'm away from God and I need Jesus in my life today. I wanna accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior or, or you need to recommit your life to, to Jesus. Listen, Jesus, without Jesus, there is no hope. There's no hope of eternal life or forgiveness or the Holy Spirit power that Carrie was talking about. If you need to commit or recommit your life to Jesus, will you just lift up a hand real quick wherever you are because I want to pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. Lots of hands going up. Church, I'm going to say this prayer and I want you all to say this prayer as well and, and just repeat it out loud and help many people today who might be praying a prayer like this for the very first time. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. 
Lord, I put my trust in you and I thank you for complete forgiveness and everlasting life. I thank you for a fresh start. And Jesus, I thank you that in my struggle, I have hope because of you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together for God. This is what we're gonna do right now. Listen, we're, I'm gonna, y'all wanna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, the worship team's gonna go into a song right now. You're free to stand up and worship God and just seal in your hearts what God's doing. But listen, don't forget outside, get in community. Be part of experiencing the overcoming power of God as we do it together, as we have, find hope in our struggles together. You won't wanna miss out, church. It's gonna be a great year in our community groups this week. Come on, let's give God some worship. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.